Hi everyone. Over at Filmbusters, we're not afraid to tackle any subject really. Perhaps our in-your-face way of wording things can sometimes come across as a bit insensitive to some, but we can assure you that our hearts are always in the right place. We feel if you're listening to us, you pretty much know what kind of discourse you're setting yourself up for. That being said, this week's episode comes at a time when the way we speak and conduct ourselves is being scrutinised, and rightly so. All three of us have been shocked to our core by the recent news surrounding the kidnap and murder of Sarah Everard. While her story is sadly not an original one, that doesn't take away from the fact that it is devastating to hear about. The fact it happened on our doorstep means it resonates a little stronger than it might otherwise. All that being said, it's caused us to reflect on how we conduct ourselves as human beings, but above all, as men. So every little thing helps, every behavioural switch. So while we hope you enjoy the upcoming episode on shame, we think it's only responsible to, for the first time ever, place a trigger warning up front and centre. We will be discussing a number of themes that some people may be uncomfortable dealing with, ranging from sexual harassment to child abuse. At no point do we poke fun of these subjects, but we do discuss them at length. We understand if that's not your bag, and we look forward to having you join us on a future episode. Thank you. Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at FilmBustersPod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk. And if busting makes you feel good, you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. All right, can we just get on with this now, please? Filmbusters. Very busy. You've been very busy, have you? What have you been up to? Working hard. Very hard work and working hard. I've pushed everything. Working hard or hardly working? Yeah, that's right. I got two weeks off work because of the house move. And because of that, the two weeks of work that I would be normally doing, I'm now doing in these two weeks leading up to it. So it's just mental. That's how it always works out, isn't it? When you come back, you always have more work. Mm -hmm. I know, yeah, and it's, that's the thing. Like, a system should not be uh, constructed in such a way, man. You, the, like, the whole thing of taking leave is you should be taking leave, and you shouldn't be exhausted as soon as you get on leave because you had to work like a motherfucker before you went into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, horrible. Are we recording? I can't tell. I I've been so. recording for three minutes and ten seconds. If you now. want, if you want to leave your personal life in there, then yes, I want in there. all of this in the episode. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I think it's absolutely great to hear peer beneath the the veneer and look behind the curtain at our dull little lives i wish you turned that into like a rap yeah it was almost there there was no rhyme at the end <sighs> what can i say anyway today is a, is a patron pick it is another one very exciting we got all the patron picks coming out the week whilst at the moment not up the week whilst what was i going to say <laughs> the week was i was i mixed that up normally you say out the woodwork 
Oh, well, you say the up the yin yang, and I fucking merge the two. The wig was. The wig was. <laughs> Keep it. Keep that. Keep same. it. In. I love it. More patrons out the wig was than you can shake a big stick at. <laughs> but yes, we have been doing more patron picks than normal picks. Yes, it's great. Keep, it keeps us fresh. This is the, a perfect film because this is exactly the kind of film that we would never have picked. I, I very much agree. Yeah. Tell the people what we're doing and who picked it for us. So today we are doing a Julio from the Contrarians pick, and it is Shame by Steve McQueen. None of us have seen it. Nope. So we're going in totally fresh. Back around blind. Back around blind, as we like to say. And I'm quite looking forward to breaking this film down with you boys. Okay, well, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, every episode we do a quiz. I ask Adam and Ben two questions. It is about shame. The questions are about shame. If they get the questions right, they get a point. If they get them wrong, I get the point. Are the questions about shame just generally as a concept? They're all or about shame. shame. <laughs> just being shamed. Um, ben, you're on nine points. Adam, you're on 12 points. And Paul, you're on four points. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Adam's on how many points? 12, 12 points. Okay, so no one can catch him today. No, no never. Just gone on a day if I want. I have 16 questions to ask you. 16 questions. <laughs> I do not have 16 questions to ask you. Okay, I'll be up for it. <laughs> you definitely will. There's only reason I turn up. <laughs> this year, I like to be the host that has basically given you questions which you both should be able to get, and it's more about the first one to the, to the answer. Okay. Yeah. I'm enjoying this. I like there to be a bit of competition between you two. I don't care about me getting the points. Okay. So, both of these questions you should get. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Here we go. What song did Sissy sing in the bar? New York, New York. Yes, fucking hell. (laughs) I was going to say the other Sinatra one. My way. I wrote it in my notes accidentally. My way. Did you? I've got stuff to say about that scene in the episode, let me tell you. Well, okay. okay. I have Lovely. got stuff to say about that scene. Well, that is that is very interesting. Mm. Adam, you're on unlucky thirteen. I know. I don't. I need to get off this now. Does it mean I'm you won't get about. the next question? <laughs> we will see. Are you ready? Yep. How many Steve McQueen films has Michael Fassbender starred in? Two. Three. Well done, Adam. He's <laughs> in twelve years slave. He's in hunger and he's 12 years a slave. Yes, I knew it It was a trick question. Damn, (laughs) I knew it as well. I've seen them all, but I was only thinking hunger. Yeah, I know, I know. That was because I that slipped my mind as well. 12 years a slave. Fucking hell. When Ben said it, I was like, no, no, he's right, isn't he? And then I was like, Mm. no, he's not. not. He did forget about one of them two. If you hadn't told me, like, if you'd asked that question separately to watching Shame, I would have said Mm. two and I would have just forgotten about Shame. Because yeah, I would have, yeah. I would remember twelve years yeah. and hunger. I feel, I feel like hunger and shame go like hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. For some they, reason they, they kind of do, eh? Hmm. I mean, I haven't seen Hunger, but I always think of these two films. Hunger before was, I even hunger saw was them both. A very hard, dreary watch. Mm. Just very a couple. You like, yeah. a couple of. You like that one though, didn't you, Adam? You gave that an eight or something, didn't you? Yeah, it's a good film. It's not the most eights high. uplifting films. Yeah. No, it's about Bobby Sands, the IRA guy. Yeah. Well, there you go. Adam's not even on the 13. He was not unlucky. He's gone to the 14. That's all good. Jesus. 
No one's catching him this year. I think he might be the quiz host. This is kind of nuts how he's quiz flying host. away. I'm, I'm not reading out the quiz walls every week. I'll do it the first well, time. You can soundbite it and then just slap it in. You are the host, Adam. You can do what you want. You better make that first readout perfect. And yeah. I will put if it into every episode. Before, this is how it works. If I get Please do question, it in that croaky voice as well. Yes. I would love it. <laughs> it's like the witch from Snow White. What apple do you like, Travis? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that went. I don't even know where Very it's going. Very good. Right, shall we talk about some patrons? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, if you if you want to become a patron and do a suggestion just like Julio has done for this episode, then you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. You get a whole mixture of things you get additional content from us bonus topic conversations such as today's bonus topic conversation which is top five sex scenes in films as recommended as as posited to us by julio that will be what we're discussing on patreon after this um and you also get things like bonus roundup monthly episodes t-shirts stickers you get a chance to recommend films to our listeners plenty of good stuff lots of hours of content you see our faces and you see our faces yes plenty and most importantly of all you'll be in very good company because you'll be surrounded by very decent charming people like who well we got katie and Oti from all the way over the other side of the world australia indeed you've got the beautiful nerd rovert what side of the world is he from do we know i think he's, he's UK. from he's from texas i think Ooh. Oh yeah, he is because I saw yeah. him tweeting about all the d- devastating stuff they were going through a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I took note. We have Jamie Russell, who is from Scotland, as he told you in his episode when he came on, and he's now in England and in London as such. He he's is a man of many moving. <laughs> we're revealing everyone's location to everyone. <laughs> his address <laughs> is this. Yes, here's his number. <laughs> and of course. The man of the moment, the man of this episode, Julio of the Contrarians. He's Texas, as we've established. And uh, <laughs> this is a case of quid pro quo, because we are covering something that he has suggested. And very recently on, on the Contrarian podcast, they covered uh, Sling Blade and End of Days on their Patreon, which is uh, one that, that I suggested. So after you finish with our episode, go and listen to their Sling Blade episode. Highly recommend. Yes, please. And you should become a patron and you can listen to their what you, what's it called again i was about to call i was about to say mercury rising uh end of days end of days that's the one yeah <laughs> you can hear them literally tear that one apart yeah that was your <laughs> suggestion as well ben wasn't it i it was that's fine <laughs> I'm, I'm totally open to people destroying things that i like that's what it's all about that's what it's all about and on that topic julio suggested shame to us for today's viewing none of us had seen the film nope we all went in back around blind. We did. And now we're about to pull off the blindfolds and reveal what we think, right? Yes. Let's bloody do it. I want to taste you. I want to slip my tongue inside you. Just as you come. What's up, babe? Let's just get some drinks. 
Yeah. Right, everyone. So today we're talking about Shame, the Steve McQueen film, suggested by Julio from The Contrarians. This is a spoiler episode. If you have not seen Shame, we will be spoiling it straight away. So you might want to go watch it and then come back, or just be spoiled if you like that sort of thing. But first of all, Adam, are you ready to do a plot summary? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, yes. I am. Um, let me work this one out. You definitely weren't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he always forgets. Um, so this film is about Michael Fassbender, who is a bachelor living in New York, and he is basically addicted to sex. What, Michael Fassbender, the actor? Yes, Michael Fassbender, the end actor, is playing a guy who is addicted to sex. I believe we've got the main guy's name now. Um, is it Brandon. Chad? It's a Jack. Brandon. <laughs> I said Chad. That was his friend, wasn't it, Chad? Chad. His friend was David. No, there was a guy called Chad. <laughs> no, this is what we love. It wasn't. <laughs> um, but yes, anyway, uh, yes, he's going around New York, he's addicted to sex, and he <laughs> then starts to question everything, and uh, yeah. He's going around New York. He's so <laughs> addicted to sex. Uh, yes. Yeah, he's addicted to sex. It's about a man coming to terms with it and going through his life trying to overcome it and how it affects you mentally and physically and everything like that and your relationships with people. I think Mark Commode, Mark Commode is going to be uh, bounced out of a job, man, with Adam's plot salaries. <laughs> like I, I totally agree. There's very insightful, very cutting commentaries. <laughs> there really isn't a lot of plot to it. That is the plot. It's a basic plot. And then the rest of the film spirals off it. It's all in the subtext, baby. Exactly. It's all in watching the film and the acting. And that's what delivers the film. There's not really much of a plot there. That's because he likes A goes to B goes to C. You want big explosions, massive significant reveals. You don't admire There's the certainly subtlety. some revealing in this film. Yes. It's very revealing. Go on, Ben. Have you got some uh, stats? No, and shit? I keep forgetting to do this stuff. This, sorry, listeners. This was a feature where I was gonna. After Adam does that, because Adam does such poor uh, plot summaries, I was gonna <laughs> save the podcast by talking and save positioning it in the context save. of cinematic history by talking about what the director was doing at a certain time and why the film was made. But I just keep forgetting to do it. So all I'll say is this was the second collaboration between Michael Fassbender and Stephen Queen after they had previously done Hunger which was a very bleak and depressing film uh, about Bobby Sands, one of the guys, one of the main figures in the IRA who went on hunger strike in prison, and Steve McQueen captures his uh, decay over time. And rather fittingly, Shame opens up with Fassbender lying in bed um, in an almost identical shot to a shot that we get of Fassbender lying in bed towards the end of Hunger, except in Hunger Mm -hmm. he's emaciated. That's a very big word. Very nice. Yes. Uh, but and that's but, how you uplift the podcast. That's how you yes. uplift the podcast. That's how you do your research. <laughs> Here, take this, each of you, so that we don't say Michael Fassbender and Kerry Mulligan and and uh, like the, oh that guy who was. Here's the names. Let's make sure we use the names because it makes it easier to follow. Michael Fassbender plays Brandon. Carrie Mulligan plays Sissy. Yeah, yep. And their friend, the one that she fucks, is David. So Brandon, Sissy, and David. We'll refer to them as such. Yes. Paul is Paul is putting them in the Skype chat, dear listeners, so that we can refer to the names. And we'll never refer to them again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Immediately we'll go, Michael Fassbender said. <laughs> go on then. 
So, go on. It's normally it's normally Adam. Go on. You decide because you're the plot maestro. Who yes. me? Yes. Let's go in the classic film busters order. Okay. It, me up first. Okay. So me, Adam, Ben. Right. So uh, just to get out of the way on top. Let me just say that Fastbender and Mulligan were both great, and of course, so was Steve McQueen, directorial-wise. Um, in regards to the actual sex in the film, for three quarters, I really enjoyed the way it was played, where insinuating the sex is all you really really needed to get an idea of where the, like the story was going. But then, by the the back part, the back part, it was like. It was just a never-ending threesome mm. <laughs> at the end, which which kind of plays somewhat to the to the point of the film by the end, but it wasn't exactly necessary. But overall, I went on a bit of a journey with the opinion of this film because I ranged from feeling incredibly uncomfortable in its like opening scenes regarding um, Brandon and and the girl on the train. And then to sitting back and believing, like, wow, this is this is actually delving into quite an interesting subject on like men's relationship to women in their lives, especially when like the 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 bell end manager is introduced as well. But then it, it kind of all just fizzles out, and we are left with like a story of just a, a pretty gross man, and it's like a pretty one tone story of a man who just doesn't really have respect for himself or anyone, or women or men. Or even, or even his sister, to an extent. And because of that, I didn't really get what I wanted out of the film, or what I expected anyway. And it's not to say I didn't, I didn't get any enjoyment out of it. I did get enjoyment out of it, but in the end, it's a six out of ten. Six okay. out of ten. Yeah. I was going to write straight at the back. I kind of feel like I agree with a lot of what you just said there, Paul. Uh, it started off with a. F- there's a lot of. Let's say conversational points out of this film, and mm-hmm. it was delving deeper into it, and you thought it was maybe going to go down that route, but then it kind of, like you said, it stops and it kind of just goes down a route of the man dealing with himself rather than the social issues of it, which I didn't find as entertaining. But with the weird thing about this film is the first time I've watched a film in a very long time, where I think I got to almost three quarters of the way to this film, and I thought to myself, I don't know what I think of this film. I don't know whether I'm I was very engrossed in it it's a very engrossing film because the performances are so well done and it is so well directed and all of that but it's like what score do I give this film it felt so weird it's like because it's that whole we spoke about it in one of our Patreon episodes of the Malcolm and Marie stuff it's like you're not meant to like these characters or especially him but because you are so engrossed with it it's a I very I kind of argued against this even Malcolm and Marie but when this side I got it um, that you kind of have to be on board with this character, especially when it's just a singular character. You can't flip flap and maybe between two characters in the film to your point and where your reasoning stands. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what to give this film, and I still don't know what to give this film. And but I feel like I enjoyed it, and it was a very very good piece of film. Everything, but I would never. Watch, I don't want to watch it again. And I think if I did watch it again, I don't think I would enjoy it as much because I feel like you really know everything that's going to happen as well um, but there is some great moments and some great shots and there's some great pieces of acting and everything like that and I will give it a I'm not going to be as harsh as a 6 I'll just go for the 7 fair dues 
Seven is fair. So I'll get to you right out the back. I give it a seven as well. Um, I've watched it twice because I got it on a 48-hour rental, so I wanted to revisit oh, nice. revisit it uh, just to solidify some, some thoughts on some things. But I agree, it didn't seem like it should have much rewatchability, but it, it did in a kind of way because of how I felt at the end of the first watch. So, like, I agree with you, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember which one of you said it now. Um, at the beginning, like, kind of taking against this guy in a way and, and not really and feeling a little bit distance based on what you're seeing and the life that he's living but i liked how the film went on that you see that he really is a fucking victim i felt sorry for him not sorry for him as in our oh, poor baby but it's like i don't think that he evokes like just sheer like disgust for me it was more like i feel sorry for you man because you are so um so down into your in, into your soul you've fallen so far and deeply into your own addiction that there's no saving you they, he takes no pleasure in what he does throughout the film mm. he's it's like there is this urge this instinct to just do it just just, just do it and that's what was fascinating to me about the film I, I liked looking at it as a as an addiction i liked how it played out his addiction because it just like anything smoking alcohol drugs whatever it is it gets to the point where you're so far in deep with it that you're not doing it for enjoyment it is purely i need the hit i need the fix Mm -hmm. so you can have sex and then masturbate and then jerk off over porn again and then go and have sex with a prostitute then go and have sex with a woman you meet and take no real pleasure from it other than the immediate so i like that i appreciate that i appreciated the introduction of his sister um and i like the sort of subtext that it brings having her about and and i want to talk about what what potentially went on in their past to bring them to this this moment in their lives because i think the shame of the title is more than just oh he has the shame for this addiction he has i think it's more than that um but what makes the film fall a little flat for me is that ultimately it's a white male lead and that and so like everything that was happening until i really got onto the swing with things it just felt like I'm just seeing a white male going out having sex. Every woman that he winks at or stands around just suddenly wants to have sex with him. And yeah. it was like, why do I care about this? I would have liked to have seen a gender reversal. I would have liked it to be to be a woman. Well, a necrophiliac. Necrophiliac sleeps with dead people. You're obsessed with this. Sorry, <laughs> Nymphoma- I meant to say nymphomaniac. Yeah, but not not That's like a Lars von Trier style nymphomania. I would have liked mm. to have just seen just this story, but played out from the woman's perspective because a lot of the time you get the slur of slut. But I would like to have seen how it would have played out with it in the same way where you've got a successful woman who, again, isn't emotionally connected in any of these situations. Is just going through the the act but anyway there was lots of good stuff like that to enjoy i feel like there was a lot of stuff to talk about based on the characters and what we don't see and what isn't said but it falls down because it is a white male story it's not very original based on that and also i really had a problem with how easily all of the women throughout the film are seduced by him that is exactly what i was going to say the first point i was going to make is exactly i should have brought that up in mind yeah it's like the the first initial scenes where he's he's on that train and he's staring at her right that yeah. is creepy as fuck right and she's just like oh oh and it's like she's smiling at him it's like no 
Mm. This isn't what happens in real life. I know, right? So, uh, but, they, but that's what it spun. That's where it spun afterwards when she started to feel uncomfortable. I didn't know whether it was supposed to be like this is his his uh, like dream dreamlike state of him imagining that she was smiling at him or something. Yeah. But don't I liked think, the way it spun. Don't you think it was maybe she was in the same situation as him? She's just married. She's like. She what liked the, the flirtation. That's what it was yeah, in that situation. She was, getting, she was getting off on that, and she maybe and that felt was enough like for the her. Way he felt about sex, about that in some ways, because like she was playing up to it. She was like moving her leg and like she moved up her skirt a bit or something, didn't she? Or yeah, moved her leg to reveal a bit more and all of that. It wasn't like. But I, I don't know though because the the change from her being okay with it to not being okay with it was very instant. I think it was it was, it was instant. Yeah, it became real. It's because that moment then when the doors opened, it was like a step back to reality, and that moment of like, oh, this could actually happen now, and she doesn't want that. She wants the initial yeah. phase of it. Maybe she it was a snap. Like, I know my stop is coming now. Yeah, and I know I don't that. Want this she knows she's to married. Me. She still remembered of that. Like. But maybe yeah but that's why i think there's lots of different shame throughout the whole film right yeah. so like on a small scale that's her shame she's married she's flirting with this guy on the train that's her shame michael fassbender's yeah. shame potentially is his his is his addiction the guy the friend david's his his boss who's essentially cheating on his wife with with sissy like his, his shame is that he's married with kids and he's and he's cheating no, there was no shame there mate no no but but <laughs> yeah but it's not shame in the moment so yeah, yeah shame shame. he should be life. ashamed yeah. yes but he wasn't the, the shame that is involved like shame is something yeah. you know, like in later. big mouth uh the shame monster comes along to basically say like if people knew what mm. you liked doing you mm. would feel shame right that's yeah. the thing yeah. all of these mm-hmm. things is there shame attached to it but the thing is michael fassbender sorry brandon he didn't really express no shame throughout the entire film for anything. It was only when his laptop got caught. But even when then, when his laptop got caught, there was there was no shame. He was just like, oh, I need my laptop back. But don't you think the moment of shame is when he was having to have sex with his work colleague? The girl he went out on a date with, and then she talked to him about marriage and all of that, and then he goes and has sex with her, and that then he knows... He, it became it almost hit home like I feel like he did all of that because he then went home and thought about it and was like yo this could actually be good this is maybe what I need in my life maybe this will help and he tried doing it and then he goes through with it and then just as he's about to do it he can't do it he's like because he yeah. went to, and they just flicked off and went and got the other girl so this is what was interesting is like okay why does this guy why did emotion because yeah he clearly had some sort of connection with her by that point so why did emotion essentially fucking make him impotent and like i can't get it up because maybe the way of the treats maybe his views on women that was maybe it he was ashamed of the way he saw her and then if he's seeing her in more than that he it freaked him out in some ways it is i think it is all very subtext yeah it's all very subtext. It's something to do with the history of the brother and sister. And it's, there's some reason why he cannot connect to people on an emotional level. And it's something deeper. Especially to women, I think it is. The only person he was with his boss. I don't even think him. he connects with people in general. No. You know who what he reminded me of? And Jenny said this, and it's true. Dexter. Mm, mm. Like, it's, it's all like a facade. He has to Instead act. of killing people, we just need to have sex with people. Yeah. Do you know, and do you know what else I said? Sorry, I meant to write th- say this as my final line at the end of my review. 
this was American Psycho, but with sex instead of murder. Mm. Yes, to an extent, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it was, that cold, it was that kind of cold attitude to all of it. The whole, the whole film, the way he lives and the way he interacts with people... Is very cold, not in a not in a horrible way, but in a in a, just in a, in a very. I'm not happy. I'm not that invested in any of it's this. It's a way stuff. of trying to stay relevant when you know you're probably not relevant. Yes. Yeah, that's what it felt like. The business and everything like that, his job and everything like that, it's trying to stay relevant because you know that if you were gone tomorrow, you'd be forgotten in a week. I don't think he cares about that. Hmm. I think he yeah. wants. I think all of the sex is almost like a fucking punishment. That's that's interesting, yeah. I, I agree that he never gets any kind of satisfaction out of it. He's he's constantly in his own head. He's never happy no. about doing anything like that. And he is he he is shameful. Like when he he got rid of all his stuff, yeah. And the fact that when his his boss got with his sister, and he was ashamed that he, he let it happen. Yeah. But he 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 and to but instead of stopping it, he allowed it to happen. Just went for a run. And I don't know whether you noticed, but he almost was, I, I think, it was almost like giving himself to the traffic. And if it gets him, it gets him. Oh, what? You thought he was going to run out in front of the cars while he was waiting on that corner? He did do that because he waited for the stop sign to come up. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like relinqu- relinquishing himself to whatever, what, to fate, basically, whatever happens now. Mm. It's like, a punish me. That's true. Um... Let's can we just rewind a little bit, right? So let's, let's just yeah. let's just pull back. So when we first introduced to him, he's having he's uh, having a bit of casual sex. Um, we see he's walking around completely naked, which is a very bold move by Fassbender. Kudos to mm. him for for doing what men are afraid to do on camera. Um, mm-hmm. We like he's very stripped back, masturbating, even pissing. Like he, that was actually him pissing. You know that? Yeah, they didn't yeah. fake that. And I was thinking there's no way to fake that anyway. No, and I thought with only he could have a little bottle maybe on the top <laughs> that is out of sight, but it's like that's more effort than it's worth. Yeah, what's the point? So all this prostitution and casual sex and masturbation were introduced to very early. But the thing that sort of sets the scene early on and the thing that made me feel like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this is because you've got this music, which is very beautiful music, like uh, classical music with strings and stuff, but it was kind of like not not bright and lively it was kind of like moody and dark and it's like okay so we're getting in the headspace that this is not a not a good situation he's in and the mm. fact that he's receiving these calls from we don't know who it is at this point and he's not taking them is like okay what's going on here something more is is, is going on um and uh, these are only things that i'm picking up on the second viewing when we first go to his workplace they're talking about viruses and infections and later in the film we find out that a people believe that a virus has filled his hard drive with porn right and i think the whole thing is symbolic that something whether whether it's addiction or something else has infected him in the way that this so-called virus has infected the hard drive and filled his life with sex as the only Mm. way to feel alive relevant whatever yeah, it's clearly it's clearly made him and his sister damaged people. Whatever has happened, I don't feel like we can go on in this film without addressing this first. I was okay. going to wait and see if you guys brought it up, but let's talk about it. About what the brother and sister? Yeah, what do you think uh, is going on there? Well, the the things are the things I was picking up on is how open they are of each other sexually. 
the very first scene is her in the shower and she throws yeah, the Yeah, and they don't care about that stuff. It doesn't phase them that they could just be naked in front of each other. So I think that is something to do with it. There's no, there's no like, hiding themselves. It's almost like they're used to seeing each other naked. But I'm not saying they used to sleep with each other or anything like that, but it's something like maybe in the childhood, maybe a parent or something or a family member fiddled with them or something like that. Mm. There is some type of abuse gone on between the two of them for the way they acted. Yeah. I'm so I'm going to say definitively this isn't not I not even oh I think maybe this is me definitively saying the only way I read this film is mm. that one of two things either their parents sexually abused them both or mm. he they had an incestuous relationship when they were younger definitely one of those two things without one of those two things being true this film doesn't work for me only yeah. if one of those things happened does it work it's I the got moment list- where he comes out the shower sorry man he comes out the shower and he jumps on top of her and it's almost yes everything There's switches and several something, things something's going to come out in that moment there she's not so- happy with the way he acted but not in a way of like oh just get off of me but like a trigger that yeah. was there was some yeah here hear me out here right we go through and you tell me i've made a a a list of moments in the film that made me think definitely Mm -hmm. one of the two things uh so first so yes the first one when when she's naked in the shower and they both just standing there um like any normal person if if you're brandon you walk out the fucking bathroom it's like they've crossed the boundary already crossed the boundary immediately and immediately on her arrival his whole attitude to sex shifts um the next morning she's walking around in front of him with a like a sheer top with her with her nipples showing through just Mm -hmm. around her brother at breakfast um after she sings in the lounge uh the friend's like oh what happened to your arm and she's like oh it's just something from the past and we later see all those cuts on her arm so she's connecting those cuts on the arm to something that happened in her past Mm-hmm. Um, after he goes out for the run after she's been sleeping with his friend she climbs into bed with him and he screams yeah. at her to get out um, yeah. when he is on the date with his colleague she says uh, tell me about your background and he says I was born in Ireland I've got a big family and she says do you miss them and he says um, I have a sister and that's his response so it's like so you don't miss them or <laughs> that is interesting yeah it's like yeah. what are you saying here you have a family you go and see them but all you're talking about now is your, your sister so something bad's happened there um when she bursts in on him wanking he like yeah as you say he jumps on top of her afterwards why did you come here why why yeah. with the towel falling off him she's fucked his head like she's brought emotion and memories to him totally in that situation then when they're sitting on the sofa cartoons are playing on the telly like if they were kids like like kids sitting on 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 a sofa together watching telly she sits real close to him she asks him to give her a hug and then in that situation he like freaks out and they have the the argument and he says things like i'm not responsible for you i didn't give birth to you which is almost like the people who are responsible for you are your parents and they're the ones who have fucked fucked this for you yeah um and then crucially is the line when she says later to him during her last phone call, she says, we're not bad people. We just come from a bad place. Mm. Either or, one of the two yeah. definitely happen. I don't know which it is. I'm leaning more towards parental abuse, but definitely mm. one of those two things happened. Yeah. It, there is some kind of... That, that's the thing. There is some kind of connection to them sexually. 
whether it, not saying that they've had sex, but they've they've already crossed that boundary where it's fine to be in each other's company completely naked. Yeah. And exposed. Although, like, kind of... So the thing that's kind of interesting is she is definitely more comfortable with it than he is because when she bursts mm. on, in on him masturbating, he's furious. When she climbs into bed, he's furious. The only time that he's comfortable to be naked around her is because he's so distracted with rage when he's on top of her that the towel mm. drops. Which makes me think even more so that maybe he abused her because then his it's that is his shame he the doesn't, doesn't is, want that if you've been abused by someone you wouldn't want to be naked near them that's why i don't think it might have been that's, him that's abusing her thing, i think yeah. it's the two of them being in abuse together but don't you think that they've got could have gone two separate paths like let's say the parents abused them or the parents even made them abuse each other right we're definitely gonna have to have a trigger warning on this fucking episode yes if they if the parents made them abuse each other right it could just be two people going in two completely different directions. His way of dealing mm. with it mm-hmm. is remove the emotion from the act and the addiction, the thing that was done to me, the thing that's infected my mind is an action that I do and the only way I can do it and, and, and enjoy it is to cut out all emotion whatsoever. She, on the other hand, needs connection. She needs validation constantly. We see how needy she is, right? Mm. That's not a criticism of her as much as him cutting out emotion from sex isn't a criticism of him. Yeah. It's just the two of them have had to go these two different parts past to deal with their trauma there's no like one size fits all for what happens to you in your past the way you Mm. react to something is the way you react to it you know the thing the thing that stops me from thinking that it is sex between them is the fact that they were clearly children who were in this situation together and she found comfort in him and that's why she always wants to be around him because it's almost like a protection Mm. Because they they they're bound by this this thing that happened to them, and they were the only people who who knew about it or who could protect each other in that time. So so young and innocent. Yeah, that's true. That that's true. But equally, the fact that he doesn't want anything not, not doesn't want anything to do with her, but needs her away from him totally. But it's almost it's almost like he he wants to get rid of that memory completely, and she yeah, wants to. Yeah, she yeah. thinks he's the only he's the only safe haven. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's just going two separate ways. That's true. Like you say. Mm. yeah yeah that is true that's very it's very it's very true though there's definitely subtext of of that i'm also quite glad they didn't delve into that as well though oh definitely most definitely because it's why it feels it's why this film feels quite weird as well it's because you're not really still sure how you're meant to feel because on a surface level they seem fine against each other but you know that there's deeper issues lying in this film that's why it works for me definitely because of the fact that they don't explicitly I like the breadcrumbs throughout. It's clear to all that something's happened. Yeah. Mm. And I love that it isn't uh, spelled out because we, we don't know. Like, that's the thing. There isn't anything definitively that says that that shit had to have happened to them. Do you reckon they even know? I mean, I think the only person who knows is, is Steve McQueen. Yeah. But, it offers you know, that, it offers no, that I mean, discourse. Do you the, I mean, do you reckon the characters know exactly what went on between them? I don't know. That's, that maybe McQueen got together with the two of them and said, "Listen, this is what happened. Play it that way." If mm. I was a director, I would I would probably tell them. Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah, go act with it. Yeah. Um, but it's the only way it works for me. That's the thing. So you, I'm kind of taking a leap of faith with the film. Uh, Knowing you've seen McQueen, say it's good for that. Would. I don't think. I think so. Well, look at let's look at his catalogue. Right. If you look at Shame on Face Value, it seems very odd 
compared to the other films he's done. A film about the IRA, a film about slavery, all of the the recent small acts films, which are about social injustice, right? Now, all of a sudden, you've got this film about this affluent white American male who's having sex addiction. No, there's something more. Let's let's take it back. There's something but more. Also, and it's the trauma. Do you reckon, just as a... Sorry, to go back before we go delve into that. As a black director, do you not feel they always are titled... Their film, their film catalogue always seems to be mainly based around films with race issues. Um, his did, yeah. Apart from, apart from, Hunger in this, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, IRA, the uh, Hunger is on a different kind of level, though. That's race, yeah. but just a different kind of whatever you want to call racism. Yeah, but, but all of it is social like, injustice, right? Do you it's right? no, I don't want to do those type of films. I want to just do what I want to well, do. Well, maybe, but he was very early in his career. This is before 12 Years a Slave. All he had done at that point, I think, was Hunger. He had done music videos, and then yeah. he did Hunger, and then this. So it's not even like he could say, I want to do something totally different. He hadn't even told uh, his, his, his more personal stories about race yet. Do you reckon mm-hmm. he, but he might not have wanted to go straight into that route? Maybe you work out and you do your films like this and then you build up and then you could do something like 12 Years a Slave. Yes, maybe. Did he Did he write Hunger? Uh, probably not, because it's based on a this, real thing, think. so it's probably based on a biography or something. Mm. I don't think he's, it's, very, yeah. it's a very strange film to do a director debut on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Very strange. And and like my memory of the film is, is uh, very strange and uncomfortable as well. Mm. Um the film was written by a woman which film this yeah shame oh yes interesting interesting but then do you know what then like that's why it kind of it it feels it doesn't feel male gazy that's the Mm. thing the film doesn't like i know julio picked as our topic our patron topic to talk after this like a top five sex scenes and it's kind of funny that he did because in a way before watching this i thought okay we're going to see loads of erotic sex scenes constantly going off in the film mm. there's none of that shit it was well put it was well done it was it was, it it was, was. well done until that last like brazen for a film over the top so much about the sex it didn't let the sex scenes take away from the actual story yeah there was plenty of sex but it all felt it, it felt quite i mean i didn't enjoy i i i don't enjoy long prolonged uh sex scenes anyway I, th- I found it tedious but but mm. like the way it was handled it was handled in that very sterile fucking way rather than Ugh, here's a close up of the arse and here's a close up of the tits and all that you know mm. that's very true speaking about long drawn out takes let me tell you the worst fucking thing about this movie was her singing that song <laughs> I was thinking it was it was so drawn out it, it was, was the whole song wasn't it the whole fucking song what were they thinking the annoying mm. I, I never like songs that are slowed down to that extent Do you know why because it's always like you want to sing along to the song but it's not natural in your head to sing along at that speed but also yeah exactly <laughs> and you know you, like you said it you know the song you know the song you know it's quick and by you singing it slowly it makes me want to say fucking hurry up like honestly I turned to Jenny in the space of her singing I turned to Jenny three times and I was like for fuck's sake that was the point where if it hadn't been a patron pick and it hadn't been Dear Julio, I probably would have called it quit. So I'm glad that I stuck wow. it out. You would have but turned I would it have, off. I would have, because by that point, I hadn't warmed to the film yet. And it would have been like, no, this is too pretentious, man. That's very harsh to turn it off. Just 
I, in that uh, first the part. minute his tear ran out of his eye on the first watch, the minute the tear ran out of his eye, I was like, fuck this. Why are you crying over her <laughs> singing that song? Why? But I mean, I mean, now, now looking at the film from a view of them both being abused, yes. it's almost like looking at this, his sister who she could have been something and this thing's ruined her. Yeah, there you go. It works on the second view. First view, but no. You don't, but you could have done that in the first verse and a chorus. <laughs> I know, just like, why play it all out? And I read, like, Steve McQueen set up three cameras, one on Fassbender, one on Mulligan, one on, on the other guy, and mm. just did all that in one take. So all the reactions you're seeing are from one take. Why? Why do that? Why did mm. we need that song? Why did we need her to sing it? There was, I think there's three three long takes in this film there's that one the, the running take. one mm. and then there's the one of them just sitting on the date oh that so that date scene is my favorite in the movie i would i would what i so that waiter it was just i mean obviously he was doing that role but it was just irritating the, hell out <laughs> <of> <laughs> the most do you know what he was the most genuine yeah uh, fucking thing in the whole film because it's like you know waiters like that he recommends the Pinot Noir and they go yeah okay and then he comes back a minute later and he's like did you decide on the wine and Fassbend is like uh, yeah Pinot Noir I felt like I got so much from his character the waiter yes. because it was like this is his first day working it or something <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was such a good character See, that do you know the crab comes casting. in a shell and he's like yeah and what move on the <laughs> yeah. <Nailed> the lamb <laughs> and the lamb yeah the lamb now that scene was so good because of that, but also because of the fact that that's where you really see what Fastbend is about. Because that's what yeah. revealed him more to me. Because it's like, okay, this guy is that's trying the to charm the now off got, He's coming to deal with it, and it's almost like he said it in a way where he was expecting the person to agree with him almost, and she wasn't. She wasn't agreeing with him, and it was almost quite interesting to see him getting pushed on his points. Yeah, he was being pushed, and also he didn't. He wasn't trying to seduce her, which is what I thought his character was doing with all these women. I thought he was actively charming the pants off them. And he mm. was like, I can't even be bothered to. It's like, are we going to have, uh, is it going to happen or not? And even afterwards, when he drops her off at the tube, I thought, okay, he's going to be pursuing her here. And he didn't. Mm. It's almost like he just lets the women fall for him without, yeah. without having to try, which is apparently what Michael Fassbender is in real life. I can imagine so he's apparently he's a very charming and he gets loads of women <laughs> apparently I've read an article that, talking about he's married um, to what's her name from Ex Machina what's her name oh, is, he, is he married to her yeah um, do we want to talk about Michael Fassbender's personal life <laughs> yes go on T- talk about Michael Fassbender because I have no idea what you're referring to I haven't read up well on I mean like we don't really Fucking hell, man! But the just amount of trigger warning stuffs that you could do on this not even trigger. Oh, this so is yeah, very, this is a very sensitive I've episode, man. About this. So basically, right? He, uh, an ex. I'm not sure if she was his wife, but an ex of his, and is mm. on record, alleges abuse by him on several occasions. Right. Uh, one, um, I can't remember. I can't remember the details of of all of them, but I remember one of them was that he, while she was getting it in in the car, he, he was drunk, um, and he. Sp- drove off the car while she was half in it and it caused her to like burst an ovarian cyst and uh she had massive internal bleeding and other things and then another time he smashed a bottle around her head or something like that now this is an allegation against him by an ex-partner that's 
that's the situation and it went no further than that well i don't know the detail i haven't read up in, in into the detail to see if it went to court or anything like that i don't believe so he's never spoken on the matter mm. she has when she's been pushed by reporters she said look the court documents well it must have ha- happened gone to court because she said something like the court documents are there for all to see or something like that um okay but anyway like you could say what's one thing got to do with another we're here to talk about film but it's hard to watch a film with someone in this role when that happens it's like the shire thing it's like yeah. yes you can maybe separate people but when the person is playing a character so close to what they're accused of it then it becomes weird yeah like pieces of a woman yeah when when he literally like forced himself on yeah on someone in that film she has a restraining order against him interesting frumio so the details are yeah when did, so it, when did all this come out Cause this is 2009 2010 so right before this film actually um she filed a restraining order against him in la she filed it alleging that he threw me over a chair breaking my nose in 2009 that he'd also dragged her alongside his car injuring her ankle popping out her knee as well as causing her to burst an ovarian cyst wow Fassbender did not publicly respond and in 2018 when the allegations resurfaced he again refused to respond refusing to respond I don't know man this is this is uh, murky waters for us to, to tackle here who, mm-hmm. who are we to, to say but like you know some people could say well by not responding that's an admission of guilt equally some people could say by not responding he's like not even dignifying it with an answer but and it's probably important that's to put it one. out there and say that that's uh something that is alleged against him so while he may be a charming fucking man getting people to sleep with him i'm sure he is uh he's not very charming when you're around he could also be a monster potentially (laughs) it could be yeah it could be army hammer (laughs) yeah but army hammer stuff regardless mate that man's that man's a a a fucking monster so uh, like you know these things like all of these people we let slide because they're celebrities it's true and we let them slide because we want selfishly to watch their films if you're na- I don't know how best to do an analogy for this but if any of these allegations came up about other people that you encounter in your day to day you would not continue to support them mm-hmm. financially or whatever the, the only the only thing you've got to say in this case is if the court has not pressed charges well there's nothing to suggest that she she pressed charges and also you can't say well if she didn't press charges then uh obviously didn't happen you don't know there's many reasons why people don't exactly Mm. but we don't know the ins and outs but anyway that's murky water let's get back to the film (laughs) so going back to that dinner scene yeah the thing that was uh interesting about that the thing that i liked about that was it was kind of like it was showing how the way that he was dealing with the dinner is how he dealt with things in life, right? Because it, when he's asked, what do you want to eat? It's like he he doesn't even have personality or impression enough on the world to, to say his own thing. He says yeah. lamb after she says lamb. Yeah. Then when he said, said, how do you want it done? Medium, the blandest. Then the guy says, oh, you should probably have it pink. He's like, okay. Pinot Noir, because the guy recommends it it's all there's no effort that goes into him even ordering his fucking food even when they suggest sparkling water tap water just bring it right 
back down to basics. I just want yeah. the fucking primal basic stuff and that's kind of how he was treating his life his apartment was very minimalist and his his relations with women were just just give me just give me the sex that's that's all i need to get by that's all that's going to push me through Mm. it's very true and we hear about his thoughts on monogamy here he says like it's boring doesn't believe in marriage he invites people being sees people in restaurants who aren't talking to each other and he thinks they're bored and then it was the night the way she said back was like oh they're just connecting they can connect without talking to each other yeah i agree with that you can i could i could sit with zoe in silence and i won't be i'd I'd know she'd be completely comfortable because we're there together we don't need to talk to each other all the time yeah well there's a difference yeah comfortable there's difference between a comfortable silence and the way yeah she was i i I kind of i kind of agree with fassbender a little bit that it depends on your relationship but there's so many times when pre-COVID Jenny and I would be in a restaurant and you would see couples, older couples. You can tell that, when someone's bored and just, when someone's not. Though. Yeah, they've come out language. for dinner, they've dressed up, they've made the effort to come to, and I'm not talking about Pizza Express, I'm talking about when we go to nice places and they just sit there and don't even talk, like they look around the room, one person looking around the room and I'm like, man, that relationship is no good that is not Engage. a comfortable silence that is we are just fucking counting the days to death yeah see i agree with that yes, yes of course <laughs> it's people's body language of it all yeah mm. you can yeah. see people who can generally probably be on that level but yeah you have to find a special level is this is this also some kind of connection to to his parents being married and that he yeah. doesn't want to be them. There we go. I mean, I think it's definite. Like, the whole thing... I, I can't... I struggle to talk about this entire film without bringing it all back to what's going on behind. The addiction is its own thing. Yes, he has the addiction. But mm. what caused it? Something causes addiction. I agree. That is... when See, when I came into this film, I thought it was going to, like, delve deep into very social themes and stuff like that. But... When it just cut it back and it just came to one kind of one tone just about this guy dealing with his sex addiction. Yeah. That is when the only the interesting part about the film is delving into his past and trying to make sense of yes. why he's like this. Exactly. Because everything else is laid on the table. Yeah. And they, and it's Apart just not that. interesting enough. Yeah. If his totally. sister didn't come into it, or if his sister came into it but she was just there was not even an inkling of anything sexual ever having happened in their past. It, this would be a very surface pretentious film mm, but mm. because there clearly is something and I think the, the reason it's called shame is because that is the shame that he and she carries for what happened to them through no fault of their own potentially if they were abused that that's the shame that they carry yeah. well like at the end of it she couldn't deal with it yeah see like all of that like man you know why are we seeing her even trying to attempt to take her own life because he was out if, at the time if wasn't some, he with a girl yeah but if something hasn't happened that's it It ha- the reason she's doing that the reason you're introducing a character who is this vulnerable is because you're explicitly saying something terrible has happened in their past mm. and you're showing it because the reason it happens is because her safe haven her brother doesn't want to be around her because he doesn't want to deal with the, whatever happened in his past yes he wants her out of there yeah can't deal with it for him it's blocking out by cutting out all the emotion if you if you act robotic you just go through the motions 
and you mm. essentially internalize a bad thing that happened to you and take control of it like jenny said this jenny knows because of because of psychology and stuff but like addiction is about control and by him constantly wanting sex it's like i now control this terrible thing that happened to me mm. yeah mm. and definitely we are not bad people we just come from a bad place that's the that's the key to unlocking yes, that, this film definitely definitely but all of that said regardless when it hit that point was the end of the film where he's sort of spiraling a bit and he goes to that bar i'm sorry he in my mind was i i said i felt sorry for him and i did throughout the rest of the film but that was like you are disgusting you are perverted yep. mm. totally agree. he just wants yeah. something he that was a i feel like again him wanting to be hit by the traffic like paul was saying earlier yeah he just wants want something bad to happen and he's yeah like, i guess that's destructive he wanted right? to almost be beaten up by that guy that's probably why mm. he picked a guy that guy's girlfriend or maybe he knew i don't know you've seen him together before but he maybe suggesting that he picked the guy who he knew could beat him up and who probably would beat him up because that's true so i didn't even i didn't even think about that, that. Yeah. he just needs to be beaten and felt down it's like a very catholic guilt thing like he has the irish background as well so it's like because of what i've done i need to be punished yeah mm. it's like he just he just needs to yeah but see again it's almost even like in that scene crying almost if you're too emotionally inept cry because he apart from when his sister was doing it but you just get beaten up in another time and it's just like it's almost a relief it's like a bring back down to earth but for all this good shit going on underneath the surface and all these meanings like oh yeah he actually wanted to be beat, beaten up and and he felt mm-hmm. guilt and all that stuff why why is like a yet another example this woman just walks up to him and accepts him touching her up until her partner walks along i'm sorry I, you're doing an, in, an injustice yeah. to women man yeah ridiculous that is these things that that kind of thing doesn't happen in real life that is just ridiculous the woman would be like you are gross get away from me yeah <laughs> or she certainly like if, if worst case scenario if she was being sexually assaulted in that sort of situation and she felt intimidated she certainly wouldn't be fucking smiling and enjoying no it. no and she she was well up for it until the boyfriend walked over yeah and i didn't like that throughout the whole fucking film man it's like you're living in a dream world it's like michael fassbender is charming yes mm. but he looked fucking drunk and gross in that in that segment he started to look like he was dying you know when he sleeps with those final two prostitutes Mm. he looked like a dying man yeah he looked drained yes horrible terrible and that's where it was like okay i feel sorry for you because you are a victim of your your past and your own addictions now you are you are on course for oblivion man i think it also shows something as well that he has no connection really to the sex either because he goes into the to the the gay club and he just needs it yes it doesn't matter who it is he just needs it and yeah he gets the blowjob off the the man that's how that's how desperate he is he just needs yeah. any outlet Didn't, doesn't matter like very methodical and i need to do this here we go yeah and that just goes to show there's no emotion and then we get to the point where uh at first when that train pulls into the station i thought oh come on this is really contrived if his sister has jumped in front of this train yes <laughs> but i thought that's where they were going with it that was clever it was clever yeah, it was clever. You kind of get to that point where you're like, oh shit, it could be his, his sister. And it's almost like it makes you work out yourself before he actually realises. Yeah. And then to pull it back and be like, no. But then it's like, she has actually cut her wrist. Yeah. I, <laughs> Just yeah, like, yeah. that was well played. It was. It was well played. And, and it's like, yes, of course she cut her wrist. You'd have 
you're fucking so horrible to her. That's why I never, I don't really, I never really felt sorry for him. As you, you're saying, I felt but. sorry for him, but without liking him. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's some kind of sympathy because he's obviously going has a lot of pain. For yeah, he's he's, gone he's a victim of whatever he's gone through, and this is the point. At what point do the 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 terrible things that happen to you when you're younger? Yeah. I know are, what you're gonna say, yeah. You know, they're a terrible thing that happened to you. But when you cross that line, like yeah, they like age? they sometimes say about uh child abuse, that mm-hmm. those who are abused become abusers, at what point does it become a case of, oh, this is your fault? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well yeah. every, everyone as a society we accept and we know that it's a terrible fucking thing and they deserve to be locked up, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. at what point from being abused to being the abuser do you cross a line where it's like well this is on you now i agree it's like if you if they were a child and this is how they've been brought up to to you know this sexual environment and they committed they committed something as a child you'd be like whoa they've they're in a really horrible situation of course they're gonna do that because that's all they that's all they know yes but then as soon as you get to that age it's like where they're still in the same mindset yeah nothing's changed they're just older yeah I very much agree with that sentiment. Yeah, but it's a bit. It's about control. Yeah, controlling it, it and and therapy. Yes, for those situations. they need therapy. This is mm. a great advert for therapy. Get it. Mm. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's not. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be shameful. It should, there's no shame involved. And this is the whole thing. The whole film. This is why I give it a seven because it's like I enjoy discussing it. I think. It, I think it did d- deal with themes in an interesting way. And the fact that it didn't spoon everything was great. But I just didn't really enjoy. I didn't enjoy it. Mm. It wasn't a pleasant. I didn't experience. enjoy it enough to rewatch it. And there was nothing in there that would make me grow back and watch it. Well, I would recommend it. Like you know. Because after the film, once you know how it's going to play out, it it kind of it's interesting to view it through the lens. Like the whole this whole second watch, I was like, right, I want to see now. Let me see all the indications that they were abused growing up. Because mm. on first view, you're not going to pick up that he, he says shit like, yeah, when she says, do, "Do you miss them?" and he's like, "I've got a sister." Yeah, I agree. Because when when I heard her, like before she actually says a sister, yeah, I was thinking this is an ex. Who's trying to get hold of him again? Yeah, that's what and I or, thought. Or I was thinking maybe maybe it's like his um, his sponsor from a group or something. Mm. I was trying to trying to work it yeah. out, but then yeah, then eventually she, he said sister. Convenient. Her name's Sissy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need a sister name for the sister character. Uh, sis, yeah, Sissy. Sissy will do. Sissy. <laughs> Lazy McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> In McQueen's films, like, so he's done Hunger, then The Shame, then 12 Years a Slave and Widows. Oh, yeah, Widows, yeah. Mm. Is that kind of like, because you know he did a lot of, like, art before, didn't he? He was, like, an art film director. Like, yeah. A lot of shorts and stuff like that. And, like, music videos. He did a yeah, bunch of music videos. Yeah, because when you go to the Tate, they have, like, quite a bit. Well, i got to say, me personally... I think he's now peaked, like not peaked, but like he's at his best now, having done the small acts. Small acts, for yeah. my money, is better than any of his films, apart from Twelve Years a Slave. Mm. Twelve Years a Slave was wonderful. Well, his 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 best film is Mangrove for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I I agree. That's the best piece of work that he has done. I would watch, yeah. but the thing is, you'd watch Lovers Rock over any of them again. 
Yeah, I mm. love I, I don't know. I don't know whether I would. I enjoyed it, but I don't know whether it's got rewatchability. Yeah, but it make you feel good. I watched it a couple of it. times. It, 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 the second time, it still worked. Okay. Um, one last thing on this film, because I guess we're sort of wrapping up. Are we? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kind of, yeah. The lady on a train. Yes. So I didn't find this myself. I uh, wanted to see what Mark Commode thought of the film. And then I had a look at the comments underneath the video, underneath his review. And the top commenter said that if you pay attention to her rings, they actually tell a story. There's an Irish, a certain community, an Irish community, where the way you wear your ring dictates whether or not you are available or not. And in the opening scene, when you see her, she has a diamond ring that is um, closer to the the inside of the hand and then there's a band on the outside so there's a band yeah yeah. and then the diamond but by the end they've reversed so the diamond is on the outside and the fact that they focus on that twice and it's totally different both times is like at the beginning she's saying i'm not available and at Mm. the end she's saying i am available which suggests that the two of them actually are both frequently having sex and the rings the position on her rings indicates whether or not she wants it or not Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So like that's basically saying, yes, okay, we it can take place based on the positioning of her rings. But do, but do you think that she would have been so like that the way she acted in the initial scene if she was having frequent sex? Because she yeah, was probably uncomfortable. Not. Probably not. But she de- but definitely she was she was definitely more up for it on the, the end of the film. And what do you think about al- him at almost- the end? Do you think he, what, uh, what what do you think he was going to do? what do you mean I don't know he I'd say he'd probably just carry on I like to think that he had the strength not to after after everything that had happened I would like to think that that's you're sort of left to wonder right at the end when he sees her and he's looking and then the film ends it's like what's he going to do I feel like he he looked just as serious as he did the first time no, he was smiling first time. At the end, he was, was looking. He yeah, there was a slight playful smile behind his his lips. At the end, there was no smile. It was almost. Yeah, like I remember him looking very, very sad. He'd been beaten down so much on the second one. Yeah, but do you think the sister sister trying to commit suicide is enough to make him stop? Oh man, yeah, but I think, yeah, I think it reset because it brought it. Yeah, her, his sister being around is making him deal with all this stuff he doesn't want to deal with, and then with her, that's why he almost breaks suicide. down and goes on this rampage of go to the gay bar, goes and says all this stuff to the other people. Like it's almost cr- he's cranked up to eleven a bit. His mm. his scream, yeah. I, th- I I would like to think that that's it for him. Interesting, but we never know. We never know. Addiction is a hard thing. And uh, the other thing with addiction, and I'll, Jenny's words, not mine, she knows more about this shit than me. When you're an addict, even if you've kicked something, you're still an addict. Yeah. You still love that cigarette. You still love that alcohol. You still love that heroin. Every day is a fight against it when you're that far into addiction, even years later. That's why people celebrate like 20 years of sobriety, 30 years of sobriety, because it's something to be celebrated because it's not just like, oh, yeah, I, I, I did that 30 years ago. It's easy as pie now. It's still fucking hard. Yeah, of course. Constant struggle. What would you say your addictions are, boys? If you had to pick one thing that is actually bad for you, not like picking your nose bad for me um, yeah now or in the past but maybe you have too much shame to say it 
Mm. Mm. I don't know. It's that whole thing of admitting when you're addicted. I mean, beer is always one for me. Mm. It's like you go like a week or two, and it's like, okay, now I need a beer. It's what it's when you do something and you're not even enjoying it. That's an addiction. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think I have a very addictive personality though. I, I have an addictive personality, but to yeah, I do, to tame things, not like. <laughs> <laughs> like if I got addicted to to doing a certain buying thing, then I keep doing it, doing it, doing it. Like saying, yeah, buying still books, exactly to that. Mm. Or like playing a computer game, I would literally not put it down till I've finished it. Yeah. See, I like to moderate. I don't, if I had a computer, I would still watch. I very rarely would binge a TV series, for example. Oh, see, I, I, I get focused and I need to do it because I'm loving it. If I'm if I'm really into something, it's all it's all I'll consume myself with, and I need to. Whether it gets but see to the end now then, carry on. there you go. So there's your addiction. You're not even enjoying it because you're just blitzing through it. You're not savoring it. Oh no, but I'm you're enjoying it the whole it. way through. But oh, yeah, you there, know, you there think is you there are. is something there is something to say about about savoring something. But I guess yeah, it's my that's my addiction then that I can't stop. Yeah, <laughs> but I want increasingly nowadays with the, the, the society that we live in where everything is on demand mm, and you can just mm. have it all now without having to wait, it's it's put people in this mindset of, well, if, if something's there, give it, give me all of it now. Let me just have all of it. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably say that I'm, I'm kind of like that with watching films because I, mm. in any spare time that I have, I'd watch a film when I could actually be doing something else. Yes, yeah, I yes, kind of maybe sometimes me too. film like you know, film is our addiction. Two or three yeah. a day, and then it kind of gets to another point. And you're like, you can be watching a really good film, and you're like, why am I watching this now? Mm-hmm. Like on the on the real though, like the real like a vice, something that's bad for you, addicted. Mine was cigarettes for almost a decade. That yeah. was my addiction. Yeah, you, you did well, mate. Yeah, you know, you're doing well. well. well doing done. well every day. Every day I'm hustling. I was going to say that earlier, but I won't say it. <laughs> All right then, shall we? Uh, shall we go and see what other people thought of the film? Do you know yes. what we ever did? We never read out Julio's. Oh yeah. Oh, we can do it now though, right? We could. Yeah, we we could read Julio's out here. Okay, let's see why Julio was so adamant that we needed to discuss this. Film. I haven't read his review, so uh, this is intriguing. Let's hear it. Okay, so Julio says, revisiting it for the first time since it came out. Two of my friends insist this isn't good, and one of them actually used to think the opposite. So I wasn't sure what this rewatch was going to be like. Maybe I'd turn on it as well. Well, I didn't. Shame remains a 3.5 stars, so that's a 7 out of 10 for all of you lot. Even though I'll be the first to tell you its opening sequence certainly comes across as unintentionally creepy and hilariously misguided these days, if it ever didn't. And yes, it's pitched pretty loudly. We get it. Michael Fassbender is addicted to sex. Taken out of context, almost any scene in this movie is bound to elicit laughter, or some major eye rolls at the very least. But as part of a portrayal of a man's life falling apart due to addiction, those moments work. I've never had to deal with being hooked on something, soda doesn't count, but I get the feeling a hyper-realistic, overly emotional approach to depicting that experience isn't far off the mark. Then again, maybe I just know what I know from movies. But come on, New York, New York and that single tier? Carrie Mulligan and Fassbender are so fucking good, and James Badge Dale is perfect as a sleazeball every man has regrettably been friends with and every woman has been harassed harassed by yes i agree mm-hmm. anyway not as powerful as 12 years a slave but easier to follow than hunger and like those two other movies way more ambitious and memorable than widows do you know what i don't seven out of ten i don't think i've ever agreed with julio more oh 
What would you say is better than Widows? Yeah, definitely. Oh, interesting. The Widows was quite forgettable for me. Oh, I liked Widows more. I very enjoyed Widows, and I began putting it in my pick of the month, didn't I? But yeah. I haven't mm. remembered much about it since I have picked that. The only thing I don't know, in Julio's review there, he says, but come on, New York, New York, and that single tier, is that him saying, yes, that's him come on, that's it. beautiful. Oh, yes. Julio, man, come on now. Do you agree with him, Ben, you said? That bit... <laughs> You undid all your good work, Julio, if that's what you intend. I am hope Julio is saying, come on, get out, get the hell out of here with your New York, also, New York and that single tier. I also did say that Julio said he is going to rewatch it again this weekend. So this ready. will be his third watch. Yeah, no, ready this for is our the, This podcast. is the rewatch. This is the rewatch. Ah, oh, very good. Oh, so he's literally just posted that now. Yes. Oh, very okay. good. Well, Julio, I hope that you're pleased with the episodes then, because I guess like we covered all the bases pretty much that you were talking about there. I hope so. But we didn't talk about James Badge Dale. And I said his name before because it's such a weird fucking name. James mm. Badge Dale? James What's Badge your middle name? Dale. Badge. <laughs> Badge. <laughs> Stupid name. You should feel bad about your name. <laughs> and um, your character. What about what about his, his uh, podcasting colleague, Alex? What did he have to say about it? Well, Alex, he had to say, I liked it the first time I saw it. Really disliked it upon rewatch. The shot of Fassie... Fassie. (laughs) The shot of Fassie going for a run in the middle of the night from his apartment to the Madison Square Garden is absolutely fantastic, though. It was a good shot. shot. (laughs) It was all right. Uh, Here here comes the best comment we have ever received when asking people for reviews. Yeah, this is a review and a bit i'd say this is the type of one that you see posted around and people laugh at it's from jurassic mark and he says met michael fassbender and he was one of the loveliest guys i've ever met went home saw saw his dick in the movie it was a roller coaster of a day (laughs) brilliant brilliant what a way to sum it up it would be a hell of a thing to see the man in the flesh and then see his penis (laughs) gratuitously (laughs) that would be an experience (laughs) you got the full um, picture of the man. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so there we go. Th- th- there's the uh, feedback. Shall we place this fucker? Let's yeah. place it. Three sevens and a six. All right, everyone. We took a break there and placed it. That got an average of 6.8. There's only one other film on our rankings that got 6.8, and that was Glass. And we decided that Glass was better than Shame. Paul didn't agree that. But, but guess what? Julio gives Glass a four out of ten <laughs> well julio, julio won't be, be happy, happy. <laughs> julio don't get no say in it i'm sorry he's already influenced shame he doesn't decide whether or not glass is better than it <laughs> so it places uh quite well i guess you would say not quite respectively because it's so uh, only a few spots above uh, relegation zone really on mm-hmm. our all episodes of all time but i think considering the conversation it provoked it was a a, a great choice and a worthy addition to the yeah. film busters canon Definitely. Let's uh, let's uh, have a quick um, check in with our patrons because they've got some uh, suggested films for you, you lot, right? They do. Should we uh, should we start off with Jamie Russell? Yeah. He said, "I would recommend Lady Macbeth, starring Florence Pugh." Although not actually linked to the famous Shakespeare character, the title has been chosen to encourage comparison as she plays a woman who will go to great lengths to get what she wants. This goes to some surprisingly dark places and is not much of a commitment at under 90 minutes. I haven't seen it. I didn't know that she was in it. I'd I'd seen it, but I didn't know it was her, but I'm intrigued. What, What have you seen? 
I've seen the poster. Oh, I thought you said I've seen it, but I didn't know it was her. <laughs> no, no, no. Is it a new film? No, it's like six years old, I think. Mm-hmm. 2014. Anyway, we'll have to check that out. We don't know anything about it. Sounds good. We like Florence Pugh on this podcast, yeah, so we'll check that one out. Uh, Julio, meanwhile, says, I've been waiting for the documentary You Cannot Kill David Arquette to be free on a streaming service, and it finally happened. It's on Hulu, uh, Hulu, and it was a lot of fun. I don't think we got that over here in the UK. I'm not even a wrestling fan, but having seen Ready to Rumble and heard all about Arquette's controversial championship win, I was hooked from the beginning. Don't know how much of it was staged, but Arquette comes across as pathetically sympathetic, and I think that's a win for him. I also watched Mum and Dad with Nick Cage and Selma Blair. Meh. Could have been so much better. Especially because Blair is so compelling in it. I don't think I've ever seen her be so good in a movie. Interesting. Mm. I've seen um, Mum and Dad. And it what was a think? bit wacky. I watched it, and I gave it a five. Yeah, no good. <laughs> I'd imagine that's probably very similar to Helio's read then. Hmm. So it seems like we need to check out Lady Macbeth and You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Yes, please. I, I don't know how we get that over here in the UK. Things that go on Hulu, I think, end up being on like Sky Atlantic. I don't know. Yeah, they get picked up separately by over bids and basically, I think. It's going to be a bit like HBO Max. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to join our ranks of uh, patrons and uh, suggest films and television shows and all that other good stuff to other listeners, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash film busters. Am you I right? You can. You can. That's correct. Excellent. And uh, yeah, and if you were a patron, you could now join us over on patrons as we go and continue the discussion that was started by Julio and talk about our top five sex scenes of all time. Indeed. Yes. But first, so let's, let's. Oh, but first. Oh yes. Sorry. Are you excited? <laughs> is it I your pick? Excited. It's my Are pick. We're back to our picks. We're back to our picks. Dear okay. listeners, this is exciting because we're about to break for a little while as well. So yeah. you may, you maybe you won't notice it. Maybe Paul will release the podcast so smoothly that you won't even notice it. But I'm about to move house, so it's going to become difficult to record episodes for a few weeks. So this may be the last film we do for a little while. Yeah. Ooh. Well, let me big this film up, shall I? For starters, Please. it is a film that none of us have seen. <laughs> okay, we're all can going I, in I, totally can blind. Can I try and guess what this film is? No, no, you can't. I'm going to big it up even more. Yeah. It is a film from 1966. 66? <laughs> have we covered the 60s yet? It is a film. I don't think so. It is a film on the 1001 movies to see before you die. It is 29... In Letterbox top 250, it is what? 192 in IMDb's top 250. It is <laughs> on Letterbox. Hendo from the movie Journey gives it a two out of ten. <laughs> oh dear! And Dan, your friend Adam, gives it a five out of ten. Oh god! Oh, what are you doing to us? So this is, this is, this is very diverse. It's one of the best films ever made, but also one of the worst by some of our friends. This film is Ingmar Bergman's Persona. I don't even know what that is. I keep seeing this poster and I keep I, thinking, I want to watch this film. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but okay. it looks interesting. All right, this one, I, excellent. I'm so glad we're doing something so <laughs> varied. Yes, indeed, it's time. Persona, great, excellent. Ingmar Bergman, I've never watched one of uh, his films. He did some. I just looked on my right? letterbox yeah. and there is an array of different ratings for this film. Mm. Is there any good excellent. ones? 
yes, a lot of people are giving it higher than they have given it lower. But oh, that's good. Well, that, that well, great that's, shout, good. There we go. Excellent. I look forward to that. Same. That's great. Brilliant. I'm super excited to do a film like that. Great. Lovely. Shall we segue on to our Patreon episode? Let's segue to the Patreon episode. Cheers, listeners. See you next time. Oh, we'll see you on the Patreon. See you on the Patreon. Bye. Bye.